guess it's just learning to to just kind of stick to it to hold the vision and if I have a bigger purpose than just trying to make a buck then it keeps me going and that's definitely been the case for us um, it, we've never ever thought about like let's just build this coffee business up and then sell it or something I mean it's something that we want to be able to keep in the family and, and hold on to and just keep building and yeah Cole Turnbull with Cordelline Advice Givers, where we interview Cordelline business owners, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to bring Cordelline residents the best advice from our community's brightest minds. Today's guest has an awesome story. He comes from a long line of military officers, could be referred to as an Air Force brat, and has lived all over the country. After finding himself virtually unemployed in 2008, he and his brother came up with an idea while spending their days skiing at Schweitzer. On chairlift six, Evan's Brother Coffee Roasters was born. Ever since, they've inspired communities and have begun creating a lasting legacy that makes each of our local communities a better place to live. Today, they are considered among the top roasting companies in the country by their approach to quality, connection to producers, and strength in team values. Please welcome Rick Evans of Evan Brothers Coffee Roasters. Thank you very much. I love the introduction. Hey, thanks for coming on, Rick. Before we dive into... Evans Brothers Coffee. Uh, we're going to do a little rapid fire, get to know you and, and your background a little bit, all right? Cool. Uh, where's the favorite favorite place you lived as an Air Force brat? Uh, probably uh, upstate New York, which I hated it when I first moved there. We lived in Plattsburgh, which was kind of uh, right across on Lake Champlain, across from Burlington, Vermont. And that's where I learned to snow ski at uh, White Face or Ice Face, we used to call it. And, uh, you know, kind of similar to where I live now in Sandpoint, so. Cool. Favorite childhood pastime? Uh, T-ball. <laughs> <laughs> Your claim to fame. My claim to fame, huh? Um, I just won a Spartan race in my age division in uh, British Columbia. That's, that's, that's my new claim to fame. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, the Spartan race has been picking up a lot of uh, popularity. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, yeah. super fun. Um, Favorite song to get you in the zone for Spartan Race? Hmm, man. Um, <laughs> I happen to have Nine Inch Nails in my iPod right now, so that's always a good one. <laughs> Anything by them. Go-to restaurant? Um, I happen to eat at Collective Kitchen quite a bit, right across the street from us. And uh, I go to the uh, taco truck that's uh, Down. right over by Union Coffee. I'll put a plug in for them. Oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, what takes up too much of your time? Worrying, I think. It doesn't. It's not very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> What's a daily habit that has had a positive impact on your day? You know, I really started taking the time in the mornings. I'm having my morning coffee and spend a few minutes meditating, just getting my mind clear. And, and uh, that's been a really good thing for me because I'm a go, go, go kind of person. So for me to actually slow down and just... And I'd be with myself and not have to think about everything for a few minutes is, is uh, you know, a little mindfulness practice is really good for me. How do you learn how to do that? I've done a lot of reading, talking to people. Um, and, 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 and for me, I, I YouTube some really simple kind of guided uh, meditations and, and just go through that. It's easier for me to follow along. Cool. If you could have three books for the rest of your life, what would they be? Three books only for the rest of my life, man. Um, 
my granddad wrote a book called Sweetie, which was dedicated to his wife, and he he was a he was a general and prisoner of war and Air Force, you know, uh, fighter ace, and so I would keep that book. And uh, let's see, another book I would probably keep is uh, Think uh, Think and Grow Rich, one of my first kind of influential books, and then maybe just something something fun by like a missioner or something. Nice. Uh, what appealed to you about the Inland Northwest? Yeah, you know, I had, having lived all over the place, um, was previously in Santa Barbara, which most people would say is kind of like the perfect place to live, weather and all that, very idyllic. Um, but at the time, you know, my wife and I realized we just didn't have a lot of real close friendships. And we were just gotten, get, gotten pregnant and uh, we're like, where do we want to raise our kids, you know, and it didn't seem like Santa Barbara, kind of outside of LA, it was very, uh, felt, felt very pretentious, a lot of people we knew, it was all about like chasing money and, and what you had and, and things like that, and so we wanted a place that was just a little bit more real. I was also excited to live in an actual ski town, I'd been uh, living at a beach, you know, by the beach somewhere along the coast for a while, and, and uh, driving uh, a long ways to go ski, so I'm a, I'm a ski fanatic, and uh, so we started looking at small towns, small-ish towns that weren't completely dead, um, that had a ski mountain and that had other stuff going on year-round, and, and it was just like kind of good community. So the community and the outdoors sort of what drew us up here. If you had to stand up right now and give a 30-minute presentation with no prep, what would the topic be? Uh, I, I could talk about following your dreams. Um, yeah. Following your dreams, go f- going for it, living uh, a life with no regrets. Awesome. <laughs> do I have to do that right now? Hey, no. <laughs> well, basically. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so now we'll, we'll dive into the business and okay. Evans Brothers Coffee. And you want to share the story with, you know, it's cool. We're sitting here. This awesome mural with six behind us. I yeah. know there's a good story behind that if you want to dive into that and share. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my brother and I were just a couple of years apart. And, and like I said, we moved all over the country. And then after, you know, we didn't have to move, each of us kind of kept moving quite a bit. I was in the hotel business and, and uh, just going from one resort to another. And, and uh, we, at about the same time, I was going to move to, uh, I was looking for a place to live. My brother had suggested Sandpoint. He was in Seattle at the time. And, and uh, he said, you need, to, you need to check this place out. And so I did and really fell in love with it. And uh, then and just the whole area in general. And uh, he ended up uh, getting an opportunity to come out a few months later. And right after he moved out, the economy just crashed. So that was, I guess, 2008, uh, eight, eight or nine, something like that. And the economy crashed. He was out of a job. I was in real estate. And so I wasn't doing anything anymore. <laughs> Nobody was buying second homes. That yeah, was my, essentially my unemployed. Yeah, <laughs> so I might as well have been. So basically, we skied every single day. And we were both new, you know, living in a ski town. So we were pretty stoked about that. And uh, it happened to be uh, one of the best winners in history, <laughs> which was nice. And so we're skiing every day. We're riding our favorite chair, six, on the, on the backside of Schweitzer Mountain and just over and over again. And, you know, my brother had been in coffee for about 10 years and was just, it was his, his number one passion was, you know, other than like the outdoors and it was coffee and that's all he wanted to do. He was a uh, head roaster for a company called Storyville in Seattle and he, he had been with them since the beginning. He had managed a high-end cafe in Maui. And uh, I was always, he had me, you know, I, my coffee knowledge was just, I knew what good coffee should taste like because he was always sending me good coffee. And 
So I, I, that was about it for me, but I was more the sales marketing kind of guy and we're, we're riding up chair six and I said, Hey, what do you want to do, man? Like, what's your, what do you, what do you want to do? You're out of work. You got to do something. He said, I just want to stay in coffee and, and I really want to stay in Sandpoint. And I had kind of talked to him over the years about starting something with him. I was just really taken with his passion for, for what he, for coffee and his knowledge about it and, and uh, how much he loved it. And, you know, he would pay his own money before he was in the business to go to like the specialty coffee uh, association conferences and he'd, he'd pay his way and fly out there and do these things just for fun. And so I said, let's start something. And he was like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, a lot, gonna, a lot of those ideas, we, right? Yeah, we don't have any money. You know, I was broke because I, I was in real estate. I had a couple of houses and they were like upside down at the time. And, and uh, so we had no money for down payment or anything. But I, I just said, you know what, we don't know until we try. So we started putting a business plan together. Um, you know, at, at night skiing during the day and over that course of the winter worked on that. And I got really excited about it as we were going through, through the whole process and just the balance that we would each bring. Um, and, uh, yeah, we ultimately, we were about an 11th hour of getting a loan and, uh, we, we all of a sudden got declined and, <laughs> and that was like a shot, you know, and then we pulled it back together. We found another bank and we made it happen with borrowing money from our grandparents for down payment and the whole bit. We literally hadn't had nothing. And, and so we, we got a loan and next thing you know, we were off and running and we, we went into it, you know, kind of like no holes barred and just, we're going to go for it. And, uh, within a couple months I had stopped doing real estate and was just all in. That's cool. And then, so on chair six, you uh-huh. guys came up, conceptualized the whole idea. Yeah, we really did. I mean, we literally, because, you know, we probably spent hours and hours talking about it and what our business would look like and, you know, what kind of coffee, what would be our approach to coffee. And then, you know, for me, it was excitement about building a brand or building a a company, a business that was, uh, you know, a really important part of the community that really added value, that made it a little bit better place to live. And for him, it was just like, man, let's just create a new coffee culture around here that show people what coffee can really be all about. Yeah, and I mean... I'm sitting here drinking this cold brew right now. It is amazing. <laughs> Thanks, I must man. Say. Um, so what did you learn about yourself from making the decision to follow your ideas in your heart uh, on Schweitzer? What did I learn about myself? It's um, a good question. Um, you know, I, I learned that I have, um, you know, I guess a, a bit about having courage, you know, and this whole process has been about that. And sometimes where I, it's, it's learning how to really just have times where I've really had to dig deep and like, okay, like I want to give up. It doesn't look good. And there's been times like that. And, uh, um, it's frustrating and trying to get along with my brother in the early days, especially like I didn't realize he was so anal retentive <laughs> since he's not here. He knows I'll say that, but you know, now I've learned to work with that and it's, it's, there's a lot of benefit. It brings us the details. Um, but yeah, I think that's really it. I guess it's just learning to, to just kind of stick to it, to hold the vision. And if I have a bigger purpose than just trying to make a buck, then it keeps me going. And that's definitely been the case for us. Um, it, we've never ever thought about like, let's just build this coffee business up and then sell it or something. I mean, it's something that we want to be able to keep in the family and, and hold on to and just keep building. And yeah. Yeah. How long did it take you once you guys opened your doors to really kind of hit your stride? Like, you know, was, was there a turning point or was it just like, keep your nose to the ground? I know this is going to work. Cause yeah, I mean, but, sure. There had to have been some growing pains, especially early on. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, we did some things well right away. Um, 
and, and, and I think our timing in hindsight was pretty good. So we, we started doing like these big uh, neighborhood tasting events where we just invite everybody because we, we're in kind of a neighborhood up there in Sandpoint where we started, um, where a roastery is. And, and we would invite everybody over and they'd sample all these coffees and we'd show the difference between like, you know, same coffee roasted different ways or different processing methods and how that affects the coffee, different brew methods, we'd, you know. And we just kind of educate people in a really easy way. And just, uh, we had, and frankly, we had some really fun big parties. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of people. So we would do the coffee stuff, but we also just had big parties with bands and DJs and a and, uh, really cool space where we would collaborate with a lot of other businesses in our parking lot and do some really fun community uh, events. A lot of kids over all the time, you know, biking and things. And, and uh, so we... We were new in town. We also did the farmer's market, and, and we're still doing that. And, and so we just kind of got ourselves out there. We, we put our coffee out in a lot of places where people could just sample it, you know, for free. And, and so we, we started getting a following. Financially, uh, you know, we were not making much at all for the first few years. I mean, it was super, super tough for both of us. And, you know, we... Um, um, I mean, and frankly, like, you know, that was a hard time in my life. Like, I was... I went through a divorce, like, a year or two after starting the business and had a young kid and... It's a really tough time. So in terms of like the digging deep and like not giving up on myself kind of thing, that's that was a big part of that whole process was just me taking care of myself personally and uh, learning what I was made of. And that always, I mean, I think I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but like as an entrepreneur, I, I, was, I think that one thing that I've learned is the most important thing I can do for my business is it starts with just taking care of myself, you know, being good with me and my life and, uh, you know, sounds a little bit corny but just you know loving myself being there for myself and then that allows me to be there for the business and when I'm not okay when I've go you know then it's tough and I it's hard to show up at work and be the leader that I I need to be so yeah and your mind you know wanders different place you know all the time and so you know being in that hard place how how did you mentally or physically get yourself you know keep yourself from falling into that funk and staying up yeah. Um, well, you know, I, re- I, I, I reached out. I'll, I started, uh, there's a group of guys, Standpoint Men's Group. I started going and, and meet, you know, and, and just kind of started doing that every week and, and found a kind of a support group for myself to just like, you know, yeah, just to help me to be the man that I, I knew I could be and wanted to be. So that was a big, big part of kind of getting me started on the right track and, and, uh, yeah, just through having kind of a support group around me and, and uh, knowing deep down like what I was important to me and how I wanted to live, and you know, that was the process. Cool. And then, so, then Evans Brothers Coffee, you know, you guys have since expanded. You got this awesome uh, cafe down here in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Um, you clearly have had, you know, you've done some things right, right? Yeah. Since you opened the doors at Sandpoint, kind of grew, developed your business what have you found that you know separates and differentiates Evans Brother Coffee from the majority of you know the coffee market? Because it has to be pretty competitive. For sure, yeah. I I think the first thing that comes to my mind is 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 that there's a real uh, genuine passion and care behind the business. Like you know we're not you know you see some coffee businesses the owners aren't super like they're not really. They don't, they're not in it because they love coffee or, you know, it's just sort of a business that they own and they have people run it. And, and that's definitely not the case for us. And I think people have 
connected to Randy and I individually, and then the rest of our, as we've built a team, you know, as well, that we've, we've had a team that's been with us for a long time. We have people that have been with us, you know, seven, eight years. We've been around just about nine. Um, so, yeah, nine years, I guess, now. Um, so, yeah, I think the passion and the, the authenticity um, is something that maybe intangible that comes across. Um, for us, it's always been, you know, really important, like the coffees that we buy, we put a whole lot of uh, effort into sourcing really exceptional coffees. Um, so we have like our roaster reserve line and, and we, we go out, we travel to origin and we connect with the producers of the coffees. We do things like uh, we're part of this auction process where we go to, uh, we've been to Brazil and Colombia for these, these auctions and it's basically about 800 submissions from small farmers submit their coffees and they're vetted and, and you know in the top by the time we get there it's like the top 30 or 40 coffees and uh, we go in and we're part of this international team of coffee buyers and we do these blind tastings and we put them in order of the top you know put all the scores together and the top 15 are sold at a live auction where the buyers at the auction so it's this bidding process and and we pay really good money for these coffees and they deserve it and they're the best of the best in the in the region um in the country really and uh it when i went to have my brother's usually the one that do, does these but i went um to columbia a year and a half ago to this auction and the the auction was in the front of this whole village and town and the mayor's there and there's like mariachi dancers and there's like you know they're playing like bla it's Columbia and they're blasting Shakira and dance music and it's just this like raucous celebration and and you got all the coffee producers on one side and all of us the coffee buyers on the other and like we're like they, they are super stoked that we're there because the money that goes into the economy there just for all of us combined and we're by no means one of the bigger ones we're one of the you know there but um the coffee you see on the board what they're getting paid and and the 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 difference you know they may for example they're if they were to sell their coffee on the commodity market they'd get about a buck 50 a pound at the time and these coffees were going for the one we got was like 680 a pound green and they were going up from you know higher than that 10 15 dollars a pound and, and all of that difference goes to the actual producer to the farmer and and when we won our coffee i think it was the sixth place one we, uh, we went up on stage, met the family, and they, these guys, were they were like crying. I was taking, they were handing me their baby to take a picture with. They're just, we didn't speak their language and vice versa, but they're giving us ponchos off their back. We're giving them Evans Brothers hats. We gave out like 20 hats. And, uh, and it was just this amazing thing to see the impact and how much it really meant to them. It's like their livelihood, you know, it, makes, it can make a big, big difference on their livelihood. And so... Um, we love buying coffees like that and then bringing them back and having a story about the coffee and, and letting people know about it. And yeah, they might, you're going to pay more for a coffee like that. Not all our coffees are that expensive by any means, but that's an example, you know, and we, we also have had a relationship for seven years with the, like the Menendez family in El Salvador. They've been to our shops. We've um, go, almost every year we go out there and we select which coffee lot we're going to bring in for the year. And so not everybody's doing that, especially on a small scale, like or smaller, you know, especially roasters. You don't see that commitment to actually the sourcing and buying great coffees. My brother's, he's an expert on roasting. I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. We have the best equipment and uh, we have a great team that really cares about it. And so I think that's a long answer on the coffee part of it, but it's a big part of, of us. And the other aspect is just how much we try to, big core value is community and, and what we can give back. And so that's, that's another thing that we really, I think, try to separate ourselves. Yeah, so what makes a 
you know, quality, good coffee, you know, for novice, you know, somebody that yeah might not know the difference. Sure. I mean, part of it is uh, the coffee, you know, we're, we're on the farming and production level, that's probably 80% of it <laughs> before it even gets to us. Um, there's so many differences and you can't really appreciate it until you actually go to origin, but a coffee grown at, you know, uh, at 5,000 feet versus a coffee grown at 4,000 feet is going to taste different. High elevation tends to be very good for coffee and it allows a sweetness, sweetness in the coffee to develop. And so it's also the soil and the nutrients and the, how much rainfall and things change year to year. So all of those make a huge difference. And then when they start producing the coffee at the mill, um, there's millions of different pro- steps that you can take that can be different. Um, from the time of day the coffee's picked, where it's the ripest cherry, you know, to how long it sits in the washing station, how long it's on the drying beds, and so it's all it's it's all about like meticulous detail that it's done right, and in in, in small batches, it's usually that's more opportunity to, to have really good coffee that way. Um, then when it gets to us, we put a lot of time into the cupping and the analysis. You know, that's that's the term cupping. Of how we taste the coffees and so every batch gets cupped and, and evaluated and, and that helps us develop the roast profile for each coffee and then you come down to how you serve it and you could blow it there too <laughs> so, yeah right yeah there's, so there's really a lot more that goes into like getting that really nice cup of coffee than you would imagine it's an art yeah yeah um so you guys have built the culture now right so you got these roasters or these producers down mostly south america right yeah um, well and you know my brother went to ethiopia um this year so we we always have some african coffees in the mix and then coffees anywhere along the equatorial belt certain distance basically but yeah so we have coffees from indonesia africa central south america mostly yeah and so a lot of those um like the auction thing really interests me right because it's like Mine starts going where it's like you know competition at its at its finest, yeah. you know, really, and it aspires you know those growers to to be better, and yeah. then they get rewarded right when when yeah. they're best, and ultimately, like you said, you know they're holding kiss my baby and you know, hold yeah. my baby, <laughs> and you guys have carried that you know that culture back back home, right? mm-hmm. and so what you know what do you guys do in Sandpoint and Coeur d'Alene and, you know, future, you know, down the road, how do you guys bring the community together? How do we bring the community together yeah. in terms of like our local community or yeah, more in like- terms of like everything you guys do as far as, you know, your business aspect mm-hmm. of creating that community culture? Yeah. Um, you know, I think things like the events that we host are, are always a big part of that. Um, we, we continue doing those, those neighborhood tastings here. We've held about five of them here. You know, we'll have like live jazz and we'll have coffee tasting and different themes. And we try to bring like a, there's a lot of these, there's these um, barista latte art throwdowns that you may have heard about and, and different shops will take turns hosting. And they're always really well attended and in, in popular events for all the baristas around. But non-coffee people are like, you know, they don't know what's going on and they usually don't go. When we host them, we try to make it also a big party just that attracts everybody and kind of kind of bridges that gap between the coffee geeks and the normal people that just like appreciate a good cup or something, you know. And so we'll, you know, we've done it. We, when we did our opening party, we did the latte art throwdown, but then we had a big dance party after. And, and uh, so it was really cool to see sort of this merging of these different groups of people. And, and our friends from Sandpoint came down and there were a bunch of people here that we got to know. And 
Um, you know, those things are always great, hosting the events. Um, we, we're, we team up with a different nonprofit um, every month at each cafe for our, our featured uh, nonprofit spotlight. And one, we, we pick one day a month. We'll usually do some kind of an event, and then percentage of our sales go directly to them. And we have a spot right in the front of our cafes where their, all their information is displayed. And, and it allows us to connect with a whole other group of people. They can connect, you know, they get to experience our, our shop and their membership gets to know a little bit more about us. And so those are some of the things we're doing. Um, yeah, we're big on all this kind of the sporting events and things like that. So you'll often find us like donating coffee or that or various, you know, fundraising events around town. And we're doing a, we did a little community yoga in here. We got a community Pilates thing coming up and uh, just a free thing that we're doing in our space. So a lot of that kind of stuff. It's all, always happening. Yeah, so like the philanthropic uh, side of it, uh-huh. how do those charities and nonprofits, like how do you select them or how do they get nominated? Or Well, we have an application. We, this was a new program we started this year uh, at the beginning of the year, just trying to see what we can do to step it up a little bit more on the nonprofit side. And it's always been something we've, we've done we've donated a lot of coffee and things like that but um this has been a way to partner a little closer with a lot of groups and and it's been cool mixing it up and, and getting to know about different nonprofits. and um so it's it's really just selected based on you know they fill out an application and more than anything it's if if they're if they are interested and if it makes sense for them and they want to put some energy into it you know for example this this we have uh uh creations which is this uh games and stuff for kids and everything and they're going to do like a um on their day they're going to do face painting and they're going to do like kids crafts and things like that and so we've you know last month was music conservatory and they had a big concert and stuff here so yeah we if they want to put it's kind of works well if if there's interest on their part you know some of the maybe huge nonprofits, it's not as worth their time maybe quite as much potentially um, so it's great with those that maybe need a little bit more help on the outreach and that we can make an impact. Yeah, some of those smaller ones yeah. that, that are a little less known, you know. Exactly, yeah. Get out there. Um, so working with your brother, has, <laughs> I mean, I, I I have a brother, and I could only imagine, you know, we've talked about going into businesses before, and we've, we haven't gotten there, but I could only imagine that, like, finding your roles and agreeing on, you know, everything had to have been a challenge. Like, what did you guys, like, how did you figure out what your roles were going to be? Yeah. And then how do you go about, you know, rotating or uh, managing, you know, the business? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been, I, I, when the, you, you were asked me earlier about the, or in the questionnaire, you know, what biggest challenge had been. And definitely that probably has been the biggest challenge overall is, being in business with my brother who I'd always considered like my best friend, but we never had this business arrangement before. We never worked together in that capacity. And so I didn't know a lot of things about him, even having known him all my life, like the way he was in terms of, uh, you know, really critical eye, very detail oriented. I'm like the opposite. I'm very much big picture, kind of vision, um, not the best details are not my specialty, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes, like, if it were just left to me, we'd get a whole lot of stuff done. We'd be out there everywhere doing everything, but a lot of it would be done probably poorly, and so <laughs> or not as good as it could be, right? Yeah, you're you scaling know? an operation, yeah, I'm sure, right? Yeah, and so with, with, miserable with Randy, it's like 
you know, if it was just left to him, he might never do, he might not, not a lot would necessarily happen, but what would happen would be done really well. And so we kind of bring that together. I'm the driver and the, the push, you know, push things forward. And he's the one that says, well, is this the best way we can do it? You know, he's the reins. Yeah, he reins it in. He yeah. sure does. And so it's, it's a good balance. Um, you know, I think we, we used to just butt heads so much. And, and now, you know, we still annoy each other sometimes, for sure. But um, we, we have a more of a respect and appreciation for, I think we both accept as a given that each of us really cares a lot about Evans Brothers Coffee and, um, and the success of this. And that we're each tied in. And, you know, so we're not as caught up in who's working more hours and that kind of stuff, And you know, as maybe we were early on. <laughs> yeah. um, so we... I mean, we, we just had to work on the, that relationship, we, we, like, intentionally and, and be willing to um, put aside, like, I think for me a big, a big factor has been not having to get defensive all the, if he's, you know, critiquing something and, and, like, it's me against him, just to be able to just, like, listen and get his input and, you know, know that it's not about me personally. <laughs> and, uh, and if I can, t- and, and usually... Um, even if he does overreact sometimes, usually, usually it's, uh, he's got really good stuff to say that, that brings value. So just kind of looking at it that way has, has been the key. Yeah. So like, uh, another thing I would imagine, you know, expectations of others, right? Yeah. In your mind, you probably expect something, you know, or expected like thought, Hey, you know, this, you should have been doing this. Yeah. Why are you? Oh yeah. How do you guys kind (laughs) of, how do you curb those expectations that, from placing them on others yeah um you know i don't know how he does it for him i mean because i think yeah I, I don't know that i can answer on his but for me um i guess uh i mean if i really have a problem with something then i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to him about it you know and and i need to make sure that i'm in a place where i can where i'm not coming from a place of anger and everything and so you know just kind of when, when we both come at it that way instead of like initial reaction, I think that's been, that's been really key. Just like, cause sometimes something he'll say or I'll say, well, we'll you know, whether it's misunderstood or not, like we'll, it'll trigger the other one. And so I think for us, it's been important to like, sometimes we just need to take space from each other. Hey, I'm not ready to talk about this right now. <laughs> and then we come back and we yeah. do. And, and when, like I said, when I can let go of the having to defend myself and justify my position, um, then I can say, hey, I, just, I can just listen with an open mind and not, like, have everything have to be about me, you know? Mm-hmm. I used to, because, you know, we're, we've got all these, like, kind of, like, things that come from childhood, right, that, that we, we can trigger each other really yeah. easily as brothers. And, and uh, I, so just being, realizing that and then realizing that sometimes what he says, like, it doesn't, is nothing to do with me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and just realizing that is helpful. How was it? I was watching... Uh, it was a video last night, actually, and it was uh, talking about, you know, it's like taking stuff personal. Like, I, I feel like we, as humans, we take every a lot of stuff personal mm-hmm. when it's not really meant to be personal. Yeah. But I definitely see, you know, with brothers yeah. pushing each other's totally. buttons, right? Like, personal, but in the same time, it's not really personal, but it's yeah know, frustrations or, or whatever, exactly. right? Could you know, the other thing I think to add that's been a big learning for me has been that, um, you know, Randy might be in a bad mood sometime. I mean, he might be really struggling or frustrated or pissed off or whatever, but it doesn't mean I have to be. 
<laughs> you know, so he even if he even if even if he's like bringing that energy to me, like I, I don't have to take that on. And I think that that's been a big like relief that man, it's okay. Like I, I I'm okay, and I can be okay with me and know that he's you know even if he's not that that doesn't it's not my responsibility to like make him feel good. I just got to make sure I'm good, and and then also you know have respect for him and our relationship and and be able to listen. So when I when I when I'm good and I got me in that way, then then things then I'm not reacting and defending and like yelling back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so getting in a little, little yeah. How do you guys settle your disputes? <laughs> How do we settle? <laughs> we used to just see who could yell the loudest, but uh, no, yeah, you know I think we just we, like I said. I mean, for me, if we can just step back talk when we're both in a in a calm place and that we're, we're way better about that you know and and i mean either way like if i'm like raising my voice we all we, we tend to easily raise our voice even when we don't mean to we're both really loud and there's times when we'll like start talking over each other and it sounds like we're yelling and we don't mean to and so it's just i just need to be like calm come at it from the right place and and yeah then we're good <laughs> so if you go back to say when you guys were first getting started, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, I guess to continue to just believe in the in the process, believe in the vision, um, and to uh, make it a priority to uh, put our relationship in terms of the business to put our relationship, you know, at the forefront to, to to make sure that we're getting along well and supporting each other. Um, yeah, and and I guess what else? Uh, I know you said something in that pre-interview that. packet uh, that you filled out about basically scaling, you know, your yeah. operations. You oh, guys yeah, more of a business standpoint. From- yeah, doing. You know what? Don't try to save a buck. Don't try to save a buck. Do it right the first time. Like we made a lot of those mistakes, largely because of me. Like, oh, we can do it this way, and trying to save money and stuff. And so, I mean, we went through like different logos and. You know, um, we finally worked with a professional graphic design company that were really, you know, we provided something great for us. And, and we did the same thing. We tried to save money. Like, uh, we did start with a bookkeeper, which absolutely, no matter how sm- I think is huge, unless you love doing books yourself. Um, uh, but yeah, doing things the right way, trying to set up the systems from the beginning as if you're going to be, uh, you know, a big company and have lots of people working for you so that anybody can do this when they're, when they're plugged in instead of, you know, and, and, and to some, and we've done that, but we've done that actually a lot more, uh, since we knew we were going to open the shop in Coeur d'Alene and all of a sudden we've got like, uh, you know, any inefficiencies and, and stuff become more glaring. So yeah, it's more like it's working on the business, not having get, get, I mean, not always in the business, you know, yeah. f- find time to work on the business, make it better create the structure and the systems um, from the very beginning and not taking shortcuts. And so I think so, that's a big thing. So do you improve that with your training or how do you go about improving, you know, those systems where, you know, say you're up in Sandpoint and you got this, you know, shop down here in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. Like to have that, you know, that uniform experience, right? Yeah. How do you guys go about Well, we, we, we've done things like, you know, we it took us a while, but we finally created like a really clear systems policy manual um we've got a real you know 
concise, like really clear cut, like training guide as well. And a training program that we put everybody through. Um, we've got like, fortunately we've got, like I said, a, a really great team of experienced people that have been able to help us bring some of this stuff in. Um, but yeah, just all the little things like how, you know, our wholesale coffee program and you know, how that whole process works on getting the orders in and making sure that everything gets the invoices correct and they get the right coffee gets shipped or delivered. And, um, it's gotten better as we've gone, you know, and as yeah. we've grown, but and, and it's probably hard to like put all those systems in place before you really know kind of what the challenges are. But so what has been your biggest challenge? Um, I, I mean, I guess, honestly, I still think the biggest challenge has been, um, just on the, you know, more on the personal side, just like, just all, you know, to continue to have that, um, the fire the motivation keep, you know, eye on, you know, focus on the actual, ultimate reasons that we're doing this getting along with my brother um and you know i don't want to make it sound like we can't get along we're still buddies and we hang out and we do do things together it's just, yeah. those are some of the challenges over the years that definitely i think have, have been the, the biggest challenges yeah for sure financially you know there's been times when that's been anytime we grow like right now with the new shop i mean there's financial stress that happens and so um just being able to know that we're on the right track and you know continue to keep our head up <laughs> and Rick, if you could get one message out to the community about Evans Brothers Coffee, what would that message be? Uh, I guess the one message about Evans Brothers Coffee that I think I, I, I want people to, I hope people get is that there's a real heart and soul behind what we do, um, that we truly care about uh, where we live, about our communities, Coeur d'Alene, Sandpoint, and the you know, in the inland Northwest, Idaho, <laughs> um, that we care about it. We love it up here. We, this is the first, you know, time in our lives we've actually planted roots and we, we plan to stay. We, this is a business we hope is going to be here a long time. Um, we care about our employees. We really care about the coffee and uh, the fact that the producers, the farmers are getting rewarded. And, um, yeah, so, and we care about, you know, making our town a little bit of better place to be and, and that we add value that uh, we're a place of community, a place of connection and yeah, pe people feel welcome. Cool. Well, that, that wraps up my questions. Uh, do you have any lasting thoughts uh, that you'd like to leave and or um, how can our listeners find out more about Evans Brothers Coffee? Yeah, well, we well we're, we're, we're uh, we try to be pretty active on uh, Instagram and Facebook, and uh, so those are our two main social media. We're also on Twitter, but more active with Instagram, Facebook. We have a website, EvansBrothersCoffee.com, and uh, yeah, I hope you just come and see us if you haven't been over. We we've, we've got our roastery and cafe in Sandpoint, right by the old Granary Tower, and then uh, we're right on the corner of Fifth and Sherman in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Perfect. Thanks for sharing with us today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care.